Hello, hello, Wannabe Superhero League. Hello, hello, Wannabe Superhero members. We are back with another weekly podcast. And this week, I am joined with just one of our trifecta founding members. Mr. Daniel Weber is here with me today. How are you doing today? I'm good, brother. It sucks not having Nick here, but as I say, good things always come in pairs and twos. Nothing like a pair of aces in the hole or uh, having a great running back wide receiver combo or stacking fantasy games. So it's a, it's a good week. It is a great week, and it's even a great day. Um, I believe it is your birthday, Mr. Weber. How are you doing and celebrating such a fine day in your life? Well, well, thank you, sir. It's a it's a, it's a blessed life to have. It's uh, nice to be surrounded by good people like you and Mister Mister Ruth as as two of my best friends. But it's nice to have a a group to talk to and a bunch of these guys that are that are a lot of bit of fun and you know just looking at little statistics, praying to the fantasy gods who are taking good care of me this week, and it's it's fun, man. When you like blew out your candles at work or wherever you did for your birthday cake, did you wor- wish for like Christian McCaffrey to score like 50 points this week or something like that? <laughs> uh, I didn't. I try not to tempt the fantasy gods too much or the pizza gods or anything like that that's going to that's gonna shit on me during existence. I'll take my chances with the golf gods, but uh, I do not mess with the fantasy gods, so I, I leave that be. Fair enough. Well, you're in for a dogfight matchup this week against Stefan, and definitely looking forward to breaking that down. Yeah, that's going to be fun. <laughs> but this week, um, it's been a very jam-packed week. We've had four trades in the league, um, some usual suspects involved in these trades. And of course, we're going to start off the podcast with breaking down some of the action that we saw. So let's see. The first trade that we'll recap involved Three Blind Mice and American Psycho. And in this trade, Three Blind Mice gave up a 2021 second round draft pick that he owns. And he also gave up a 2020 fourth round draft pick that is owned by Three Blind Mice. Sam, in turn, gave up Zach Pascal from the Indianapolis Colts and probably the centerpiece of this deal, Marquez Valdez Scantling of the Green Bay Packers. Dan, what's your takeaway on this deal? Um... So I think when you look at part of this, yeah, MVS is going to be the center point to this trade. I think a second-round pick for MVS is a little aggressive. Um, now, with that being said, MVS and the Packers not making a trade at today's deadline gives him a little bit of extra value. Um, but I think a second round was a little aggressive. I think if we look at a third-round pick for MVS and a fourth-rounder, I think this is great. I don't think Zach Pascal adds any additional flavor pieces to this other than Jerry gets a younger wide receiver that could potentially move into a bigger role maybe in the coming years. But uh, I think it's a slight overpay by Jerry. Uh, I get the alert of MVS and the way Rodgers has looked over the last couple of weeks, but I I think it's a slight overpay. What do you think, bud? Yeah, I'm with you. I think it's a slight overpay, but I – I kind of maybe I'm starting to see kind of Jerry's vision with this team and some of the moves that he's been making of late. Um, and, you know, we'll talk about it with the next one in the sense that he's he is trading some draft picks. And I think he's trading them maybe a bit aggressively. But some of the players that he is targeting, I think, still has upside and they're still younger players. I mean, MVS, I think he has I don't know if disappointing is the right word, but he hasn't been. He hasn't lived up to expectations, but he's still, he's only in his second year, and we've seen wide receivers take up to the third, maybe even fourth year to break out. So let me ask you a question then with part yeah. of it. Is when you look at this, do you look at this as, hey, if I build a team and this is what I expect from a 
floor perspective and and that's how you kind of view this is where you're going to sit at from from at least an outlook and anything over that's going to be just icing on the cake does that make players any more appealing to you with a positive upside or does that not play an impact into it um i mean can you explain or elaborate a little bit more when you say like towards the floor sure so you look at mvs i think mvs's uh-huh. floor is maybe you look at a tight end perspective, three catches, 32 yards is kind yep. of where you base a floor at. Yep. If you understand you're going to get six to eight points out of this guy on a weekly basis, but it's going to be a consistent six to eight points, but he has the opportunity to potentially put that additional six with a touchdown or have a longer connection to give you an additional potential six points. Does that make a, that player a little bit more appealing to you or does it not change? Well, I mean, I think definitely to an extent you have to consider that, especially a guy like um, MVS, who he's at this point a lot more upside than actual production. Um, so yeah, he he's been hit or miss this season. I mean, let's see, he's been he's had let's see two out of six games he's scored over twenty one points, and the remaining six games he's failed to break ten points. So at this point, he's very boomer bust. But again, as I kind of mentioned, I mean, wide receivers can take a little bit longer to develop. So from Jerry's perspective, I understand maybe wanting to roll the dice and get a player that could have some long-term viability, all while kind of helping him at a position that he's still a little bit weaker at um, and be like a bi-week fill-in. So I kind of get it, but I think at the end of the day, it is a little bit of an overpay especially when you factor in the fourth rounder that he gave up, which I know some people are souring on, but at the end of the day, they're still draft picks, and there is still going to be players that are found at that in that round. Yeah, um, and I mean, Pascal's had a, has, he's had two really, really decent weeks. He's had actually more weeks over 10 points than MVS has, and it's, it's a very interesting piece when you look at it, and I don't know if that's a contribution to Hilton being a little bit banged up or just how Brissett and that offense is operating. Um, but it's a young kid. He's three years into the league. I think this could be – it's an interesting way to to get it, and it would be an interesting piece as this Indianapolis team continues to develop. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we'll see with Pascal. I think he's more just of a jag type, a, just another guy, but – you know, you to your to your point, you are right. He has put up, you know, some pretty semi consistent weeks. Um, you know, three out of the last five, he's scored over 10, 11 points. So something to monitor. But I, you know, it's a solid trade for Sam. For Jerry, I I get the mindset, but I think it's a slight overpay. But hey, at the end of the day, MBS has all the upside in the world and could theoretically blow up at any point and you know become unviable so yeah i agree i like it which probably moves us into the next one here where what do we got franchise 12 and american cycles up next yes sir we have franchise 12 who gave up two 2020 fourth round draft picks the first one is owned by franchise 12 and the second one is actually owned by me and sam gave up matt moore qb of the kansas city chiefs any <laughs> Oh man, it, this is an interesting one. It's in a two quarterback league, this becomes a more explosive piece. And when you look at the pieces that Matt Moore has with him, you figure that this has a little bit more upside. Now, with at the time where this trade was made, I believe there were initial reports that Mahomes could be back the following week or potentially two weeks. Um, 
So I get the the fourth round picks. I still think this that that Sam could have gotten a little bit more value for this trade. I think this was a a very large underpay. Um, yeah, I think he could have potentially gotten maybe a, th- a lower third, potentially a second, to the right buyer for a guy that's going to start maybe two weeks with that kind of offense. I, those are my initial thoughts off of it. But now that you see more and more Mahomes rumors come around, I don't get as upset or think that that Sam gave up too much of a bargaining chip um, for the fourth round picks. Yeah, I think Sam was kind of in like a rock and a hard place in the sense that there were those reports. I mean, I think when at the time of this trade, let's see, it was last Thursday. I don't think like Thursday at 9.19 a.m. Eastern. So this was 8.19. This actually went through central time. So, and I don't, I thought like that was like kind of around the time like Mahomes was theoretically still practicing. He wasn't actually doing work, but he wasn't like officially rolled out, I believe, until Friday of last week. So maybe Sam just wanted to capitalize and get something for a player. Um, Yeah, he, he could, you know, wait and maybe have gotten something more. But I mean, at the end of the day, it was very clear that Mahomes was going to be back in the near future. Exactly. If he, if he waits any longer, does the value for Matt Moore dis- disappear? And for a team that's dedicated and built into the rebuilding mentality, he removes potential points from his roster. He picks up these additional picks. The big question that I have is what's Sam going to do with all of these picks? How is he going to get these picks to work for his team? Or is this going to turn into a trying to ship these picks for, for something potentially in the future. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Sam has a ridiculous amount of draft picks. And let's see, 2020, Sam currently has... If you're 13. Counting, not counting, yeah, this is... Has, let's just say it's a lot of fucking he numbers. He has 13 draft picks in the 2020 draft. I mean... Probably when we the draft season comes along, we're gonna like dedicate, you know, a separate podcast probably entirely just to Sam's moves. And in all fairness, I think we have to pick it a day where Sam can just sit down and draft by himself with how it looks <laughs> at. And it's gonna be that way in twenty twenty one too. He's got thir- or eleven picks in twenty twenty one as well. Yeah, he's he's definitely gonna have a lot of interesting calls because like you said, you know, not all these picks I would assume are going to be used on players and some of these picks are going to be used in trades, you know, maybe for players, maybe to move up in the draft, you know, maybe to move up way for future draft picks. Sam's going to definitely be able to control um, the upcoming draft, well, drafts, and it'll be interesting to see how he leverages it. But that will be a conversation for another day in another year. Yeah, that I look forward to that conversation. Yes, I think everyone is very anxious to see how this all works out. Um, But let's continue on with this third trade of the week. And that involved three blind mice and tearing up the ACL. Three blind mice, Jerry, gave up a 2020 third-round draft pick from Cold Steel and Sunshine. And Kevin gave up Mohamed Sanu. Dan, what are your early takeaways on Um, this? I mean, that's a high third-round pick, but... Anytime you give an additional weapon to Tom Brady, I always like the additional value it has. Now, Julian Edelman's always going to be his favorite target. James White will probably be his second favorite target. But then you look at this is where a Josh Gordon typically fell into. And obviously, 
acquiring Mohamed Sanu, which Bill Belichick's been a big fan of since Mohamed Sanu came into the year light years ago. Um, this is a good pick, and I think this is actually – I think Jerry gets the a little bit of additional value here with Tom Brady. Now the question becomes is what does Brady do at the end of the next year? That's, again, an entirely different discussion. But I think even a third-round pick for a guy that could actually have a lot of production in this team that – that does pass the ball, that has a lot of volume in that game. I like it. I think I think Jerry, I think this is a, a pretty even trade overall. I think if you're going to give a slight edge, I think you give it to Jerry from a value perspective. Yeah, I mean, it, it is such a high third. I mean, Chris right now, I think it's fair to say he's going to be picking in the top three of yeah, the would, rookie draft next year. Yep, so he's probably going to be behind Sam, but he's going to be second or third. And, you know, with how our draft are set up, you know, the third round is going to be picking in the middle of August. And there's going to be, you know, of course, some players that, you know, burst in the scenes, you know, show up in training camp. And there's going to be some excitement for those picks. And I think, you know, just that third round draft pick is going to have a lot of value. And I Do you think the age of Mohamed Sanu affects any of this at all, where how you value what this third round pick is going to give? No, the age doesn't really bother me that much because, I mean, he's under contract next year and I don't really anticipate Brady retiring. I just, I don't know. I think this Patriots offense, it inevitably just kind of slowly transitions to a running team towards the end of the year like we've seen kind of the last few years. So I'm not sure just how viable Sanu's going to be. Um, just not just from age perspective, but just from a player perspective. I think outside of Julian Edelman, I think a lot of the pass catchers in this offense are suspect. And I'm, I don't know. I think I would have just rather maybe rolled the dice on that early third round draft pick or maybe explored other options than cashing in on Sanu, who I think um, he was traded obviously to the Patriots, you know, within the last week. And I know that kind of brings a lot of excitement, but I'm just, I'm not sure the, the fantasy dividends are going to pay out on this one. Yeah, I mean, time will tell. I, the first week that Sanu played here, obviously it, it wasn't a good week overall for Sanu, but that doesn't necessarily indicate that this is where everything's going to go down. Um, it, this could turn out to be a, a blossoming trade, but yes, this could have a very negative upside to it. Well, and I mean, the one thing is, I think I think you had to expect like the first two weeks, the Browns and the Ravens were going to be tough, but then you have that bye week. And then if you look after the bye week for the Patriots and especially their, you know, passing offense, they have the Eagles, the Cowboys are kind of meh, but then the Texans, Chiefs, and Bengals. I mean, that's four out of five games that are pretty nice for the passing, you know, side of things. So maybe we can see Tom Brady and, you know, potentially Mohamed Sanu light maybe the world on fire and kind of be a catalyst to carry Jerry into the playoffs, which... At this point, it seems very clear as something that he's angling for, which, hey, shoot or shoot, and I respect that. Yeah, I mean, if you got a chance to give yourself an opportunity to make money, I don't see where you don't take that opportunity, right? Yeah, I mean, it's different strokes for different folks. I mean, but Jerry's definitely going for it, and I respect that. Um, all right, last trade in the week involved, of course, American Psycho and tearing up the ACL. Uh, Sam gave up to Sean Hamilton, and Kevin gave up a 2021 second-round draft pick that he owned. What are your thoughts on this one, Dan? 
I think the second round pick has a lot more value than Deshaun Hamilton. Now, yes, Deshaun Hamilton does move up into the second spot since uh, Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Um, but God help us, Joe Flacco. Thank God he's being benched. But then again, you move into Brandon Allen and potentially into Drew Locke. And how great does this actually make this team? Um, I get really nervous about this Denver offense. I don't see a lot of the upside with what Vic Fangio is putting out onto the field. Um, and this comes from a guy that is a Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman owner. So I think this this definitely benefits Sam and um, getting that second-round draft pick. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, one of the just interesting sides of this trade is I don't think, you know, I'm not going to speak for Kevin, but I can only assume I don't think he expected Deshaun Hamilton to do anything this year. Whether, you know, Flacco wasn't injured or was injured, that's irrelevant, even with Joe Flacco. I don't think you expect Deshaun Hamilton to light the world on fire this year. This is clearly more for the long-term future. And I get, you know, Deshaun Hamilton's upside. But if you're going to trade, like, a second-round draft pick for a player that chances are you aren't going to start, I mean, wouldn't, especially when you're competing for a playoff spot, wouldn't you maybe want to save that second-round draft pick and maybe use it you know, for a piece that could help you this year, that's I, yeah, go ahead. No, I, I yeah, I agree. I was just say I agree. There's some definite positive upside to that, and there's I think there's some things that go through and you look at. Do you play a little bit for the future so you don't hurt yourself going forward? Yes, you you want to win now and put yourself in the money this way, but do you you also don't want to not give yourself an opportunity to, to plan for the future. And I think there is a bright future for Deshaun Hamilton. And if he can get himself all put together and that offense can figure out what's going on and they kind of get this rhythm and ebb and flow and he complements that left side a, a lot more effectively. I, yeah. I think there's a positive upside. And if he, the Cortland Sutton could draw a lot of traffic away from him. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I, I just, at the end of the day, we saw a team that is rebuilding give up a young player for to a team that is contending. So they both clearly had a differing opinion on this player. And it'll be interesting to see probably about the time when Sam uses this draft pick, we'll probably have a better idea of knowing who Deshaun Hamilton was as a player and what he could, you know, do yeah and i think this this continues to bring up the the interesting piece in the segment that we have is where do you find value in understanding what a player gives you now versus an unknown as to what you could potentially get and i think there's a little bit more mind at easeness that you can put into this understanding that this is the player you're getting versus venturing into the unknown yeah that's that's fair i definitely buy that um, I appreciate your very agreeing attitude this evening. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's 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 hard to really... I think Deshaun Hamilton is probably worth a second rounder. I mean, I guess let's... Out of curiosity, who would you rather have long-term? Deshaun Hamilton or Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Uh, I would probably take MVS. Okay. So, so I'll flip this back to you, but I will say, would you rather have... Deshaun Hamilton or Zay Jones? Deshaun Hamilton. Okay. And and the second round picks were still flopped for it. I don't know if I'm confusing leagues or not because after a while they all get blurry. Um, but in, in, you know, that was what the value was put at for Zay Jones. So I think this, 
I, I think it's a well-rounded trade. I think it'll be interesting to see what we get out of Deshaun Hamilton coming up. Was Zay Jones really traded for a second-round draft pick? Yeah, I moved him in one league. I don't think it was this league. It might have been the other league, oh, okay. but either way. Fair enough. Um. All right. Any last-minute trade stuff before we move on to no, some of the... I, I like the trade pieces. The only question I'll ask you is off the top of your head, just for everybody's sake, do you know when our trade deadline is? It will be the day before the playoffs. So we've got four more weeks of trading, and this could really – I mean, when you think about the standings here, I mean, you've got – in the D.C. division, you've got five teams vying for a spot, whereas when you look down at the Marvel division, you've got at least two guaranteed, and then um, a, a dogfight between Jerry and Zane for part of that. So I, I think this trade talk conversation is going to continue to to blossom as we approach these next four weeks. It's going to be very interesting, and it's going to be – very interesting, especially if potentially, you know, any of the DC teams decide to take a step back and say, I'm not going to be in the playoffs and then become a seller. And if one of them, you know, maybe not becomes a full seller, but if they decide to sell off some pieces, you know, that could really shake up the market and make some of the um, teams that are going for the playoffs, you know, scramble a little bit to adjust to some of these potential moves that could be hitting the market yeah this could be somebody's phone could be greatly blowing up and they could be acquiring some of these additional pieces but it could also be interesting that you could watch somebody like sam or chris jump in to use some of their resources to buy that younger talent and take that away from a playoff team so that they can better prep themselves for the coming future i think that's a fun little twist that could you could see in part of this definitely so um, but all right, we're going to continue with our kind of weekly trend that we've been doing of looking at, you know, in, more in depth on a certain team's roster. And this week we're going to be talking about um, Under Construction, which is Sean O'Neill's team, and going a little bit more in depth with how their team looks and kind of the how it looks now and maybe how it looks for the future. Um, Dan, do you want... Do you have any thoughts, or do you want me to kind of break it down? I, t- I tell you, let's go. Let's go one for one here. Let me. Uh, I'll start with the tight end position here, and I'll let you pick whichever one you want to go to. Um, okay. So this is obviously I find the biggest weakness in Sean's team. Uh, his leading scorer at this point in time is Tyler Higby for the Rams, yep. and he's not even the number one guy that's going to be down there. Uh, O'Shaughnessy had really blossomed under Gardner Minshew's role, but obviously that injury kind of killed him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a huge opportunity for what Sean has the ability to either acquire or look at potentially picking up during the draft. And it being a tight end premium league, this is something that you can't really ignore, and you have to try and put a little time and effort into Yeah, the only thing I'll add on the tight end position is this year, obviously, it sucks. Um, But potentially, maybe on the longer-term side of things, I think Ian Thomas and Carolina does have viability if Greg Olson finally maybe retires and goes and works for Fox or something in the the booth. Um, And Jordan Thomas, I think, as we're seeing with... Darren Fells for this Houston Texans offense. Deshaun Watson likes his tight end. And I know Jordan Thomas kind of had some of the the buzz for the younger tight ends that they currently had on their roster. Um, not saying he's going to maybe could replicate what we're seeing from Fells, but just something to monitor. He's unfortunately got injured right before the season started, but I think he could maybe sort of kind of have some long-term value. So just something to monitor when 2020 rolls around yeah 
that's a that's a really good piece. So you get to pick next between the three remaining positions. All right. Well, let's talk about the shiny thing surrounded by a bunch of crap, aka Alvin Kamara and the rest of these running backs. Um, Alvin Kamara is very clearly, you know, a top four running back in the dynasty community. He is, you know, just an absolute game changer. Um, he is when he's healthy and you know on the field. He's good for 20 points a game and, you know, can kind of win you your, not win you your matchup, but just a very good advantage to have. And his running style and how he's used in that New Orleans offense is very, you know, it's suited to kind of lasting a little bit longer. He's not like a typical workhorse that's getting like 30 touches a game. He's usually in that 15 to 20 touch range and he's very efficient with those touches so he's got long staying power i think is what i'm trying to say um but after that this is a wasteland um rex burkhead has kind of you know he's a bill belichick player and he's you know produced kind of but that's probably his number two running back and after that we've got a lot of crap um ty montgomery i guess is maybe Le'Veon bell's backup Maybe he should consider trading him to, I think, Sauce's Le'Veon Bell. Um, DeAndre Washington, Josh Jacobs backup. Maybe you consider trading him to Stefan. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, Sean needs more running back help. And if that's through trades or maybe through next year's draft, he needs to find a running mate um, next to Alvin Kamara big time. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, a very big glaring hole. Kamara can easily take care of your matchup in any week and he, he has such a dynamic piece to it but after that you have six feet of crap and then you find Rex Burkhead and after that after Rex Burkhead I think you find an additional eight to ten feet of crap before you even find anything else in sustainability um it's a, it's an interesting piece to look at it's an interesting way to do it but at the end of the day I mean Rex Burkhead continues to have who knows what going in there between putting up two weeks over 20 or over 15 or one week over 15 points, one week over 10, and then picking it back up and then having a couple injuries. Who knows what's going to happen? And I, yeah, it's, it's a ugly piece to look at. Do you think Sean, you know, I kind of touched on Ty Montgomery and DeAndre Washington, that they're sort of the handcuffs, I guess, for the, the bigger players and Le'Veon Bell and Josh Jacobs. Do you think this? these are two players Sean should maybe approach those respective teams on and try to sell off? Or I don't, would, I don't think it would hurt 100%. Yeah. And I think this is where you try and figure out the value that these additional people have to how big is this running back into their roster and does it pay off to have this? I think Ty Montgomery carries a hell of a lot more weight than DeAndre Washington does, and that's just because of, I mean, at the end of the day, the Jets super suck. Yep. Real bad. Um, DeAndre Washington has more upside, but I, Ty Montgomery, I think, has more versatility in his role. Fair enough. Um, all right, what about the next position for... Let's go to quarterbacks. To... Um, we'll, we'll, leave, we'll leave you with the bread and butter to start with a little bit more of the shining stars here. I, I'm The piece I'm most concerned most excited about is where does Teddy Bridgewater end up? I think Teddy Bridgewater's played himself into a starting role somewhere. I think this is a great kid. I think this kid's done everything that he needs to to show that after having that horrific knee injury that he can come back and make a real big bit of difference. Um, God, heaven forbid, he's got Mitchell Trubisky. That's a rough situation. Um, 
with Kyle Allen, too, in the Carolina situation, if Kyle Allen gets moved to some team, I think Will Greer gets an additional value, depending on how Carolina views Cam Newton and his health. And then and there's Tennessee, um, which yep. has never really been a, a quarterback offensive way to do it. But I will, t- I will say this, Ryan Tannehill has looked really, really good, and Marcus Mariota looks to be on the outs. Um, I, I think Bridgewater's the best piece that he has right now at that position. So, I mean, with Bridgewater, do you think, like, do you trust him, like, by himself to be a quote-unquote franchise quarterback, or do you think, like, this Sean Payton and New Orleans support has helped made this possible? I guess, can he succeed outside of New Orleans? I think he has some, some potential to succeed outside of New Orleans. Now, with also that being said, he's made a lot of passes that look absolutely atrocious. Uh-huh. They've looked they, – he's missed. He has arguably the best wide receiver in Michael Thomas to throw the ball to, and if he can't hit him and Michael Thomas can't come down with the ball, you, nobody else is going to catch that ball. And I think yeah. that becomes the interesting piece. But as the game and the rhythm gets in there, as, as he gets more – adapted into that and I think he did a great job um in the the weeks that he was there I think he gives himself a fighting chance do I think he's going to be a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers no but at the end of the day I mean is he a better fit than Jameis Winston I hard to argue against part of that fair enough I think I think he's just going to stay in New Orleans if he didn't leave last year when he got offered like you know he got Buko decent, Bucks from Miami, yeah. Yeah, Buko Bucks from Miami. I think he's going to stay in New Orleans and potentially maybe ride it out another year or two until Drew Brees retires. I do think between Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill, and Mitchell Trubisky, he'll probably have a starting quarterback going into 2020. But clearly, it's almost impossible to say, or it's a, it seems almost difficult to justify this, but quarterback is a much 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 bigger priority for Sean than running back he's he could very conceivably have no starting quarterbacks when next season rolls around if he doesn't draft a rookie one or trade yeah, for one a, and that's a super scary thought when you think about the fact that you have the ability to start two quarterbacks yeah I mean we just look in our league quarterbacks are just becoming everyone kind of realized a little bit quicker than I maybe expected that quarterbacks are extremely important and if you don't have an elite one, that's a problem. And if you do have an elite one, it's going to cost a lot for someone to trade for him. So I think the value, even if you don't have an elite quarterback, is is oh, super yeah. important. And especially having your handcuff and somebody that's going to, I mean, what, Sam backed him, backdoored himself into, what, three starting fucking quarterbacks this year? That's unheard of. How do you get that lucky that you end up with three quarterbacks and the ability to acquire assets for it when you're rebuilding? That's silly stupid. Yeah, I mean, that's a story for another day. He definitely butchered the startup draft, but he capitalized on some of these premier backups, and they all became a little bit more viable earlier than we expected due to a retirement and thumb injury. (laughs) All right, you get to move to the to the shining shining pieces of what Sean's roster is right now. Yeah, so I mean, if you're going to be having to rebuild and you want to have maybe one position that you're good at, you might pick quarterback or you'll probably pick wide receiver. And at wide receiver, this is clearly Sean's strength. I mean, Devontae Adams and Cooper Cup are, you know, revelations. 
Uh, going into the season, a lot of people thought maybe Devontae Adams was the top wide receiver in Dynasty. Unfortunately, he's battled a little bit of injuries, and when he was healthy, this Packers offense wasn't kind of clicking. It'll be very interesting to see when Adams does come back how this team operates with a healthy, bona fide stud of a wide receiver. You know, Devontae Adams, I'm expecting to go back to his normal top five self. And Cooper Cup, I mean, Jared Goff is questionable, but Cooper Cup helps mask a lot of those holes because he's just great at getting the ball and exploding with the yards after catch. And then after that, I mean, Sean still has some intriguing players. Um, You know, Elshon Joffrey is an old, reliable player, and Sammy Watkins is kind of that continuing, um, I guess, shiny object that you can maybe hope to become something that it that he isn't necessarily um, is. But, you know, he's got that upside and he's got kind of that aura around him that I think everyone's going to kind of want to have a part of, whether that's in fantasy or in real life. Um, and even some of the smaller guys like, you know, Miles Boykin, I think, has been intriguing for Baltimore. I mean, Richard Higgins in Cleveland, he's a free agent to be. Adam Humphreys kind of is coming on board now with Ryan Tannehill in this offense. Um, Yeah, I mean, Sean's wide receivers are clearly his bread and butter, and this is definitely something you can build around with those guys. What do you think, Tim? I I mean, if, if I went through and I said, hey, man, so I want you to think of this receiver. I'm going to give him two weeks over 30 points, two weeks over 20 points, and three weeks over 10 points. Would you be happy or upset? I'd be happy. That sounds like a very consistent player. Yep. And if I told you, hey, is that Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup, who would you think that is? I'm going into the season. You would have thought that was Devontae Adams. 100%. Every part of me hates that I made that trade. Like, there's certain pieces of me that absolutely hate that. I, I've given up the second-best scoring receiver in this league to acquire the 17th-best scoring wide receiver in this league. And, by the way, I gave up a second-round pick. I love Cooper Cup. I think what Cooper Cup does in that offense, it reminds me a lot of Wes Welker. He, he has that dynamic playability. He can catch a lot of volume. He can do it. And then Question. You yes. Is it because they're white? No, I, that has nothing to do with it. I, okay, that's a lie. Maybe it has something to do with it, but at the end of the day, it's a small, shifty little guy that can do part of it. But, yeah, I mean, obviously Devontae Adams picks up a lot of different pieces. Um, I'm going to be curious what happens with Riley Ridley in the Chicago Bears offense with everything that was saying, hey, Taylor Gabriel mm-hmm. needs to get the hell out of here. And um, with everything that's going on there, I think this will be super interesting. Demarcus Robinson's going to lose a little bit of touches to – just a Mecole Hardman because of the production that's being put up there. Alshon Jeffrey still has, if he can stay healthy, still has similar to me. And then what happens with Sammy Watkins at the end of the year and where does he end up? If Sammy Watkins can get himself into a positive situation, this well, could be interesting. Hold up. If Kansas City isn't positive, I don't think there is a positive situation for Sammy Watkins. So let me ask you this question. So if, if Sammy Watkins moves off of Kansas City uh-huh. to, let's say, to a team that could potentially have a positive upside and let's say, maybe Green Bay, uh-huh. or you can throw him out in Buffalo, do you find any – do you lose any hope and faith in where he is dropping from Kansas City? 
Yes, he's going from like the best pass offense in the league, and he's really squandered that opportunity to what going to Green Bay, who I mean, Green Bay seems like in a perfect world, it wants to be a run first team that just has the luxury of having Aaron Rodgers that can just do Aaron Rodgers things. I think Sammy Watkins is in perhaps like the most perfect situation a wide receiver could hope to be in. And he's, I think, just squandered that opportunity. I don't know if, I mean, don't get me wrong, he has the upside and I could see him producing and having like a solid season. But if he didn't have a solid season here in Kansas City, I, you can't be telling me you feel great about him somewhere else. No, I, I honestly, I'm not a big Sammy Watkins fan. I think that there's teams that could benefit from having a Sammy Watkins type player. Sure, um, I, I, I buy think, that. Yeah, I think there's additional upside to it. I think that's that helps, and I think part of the success that Sean could have going forward here is if Sammy Watkins ends up on a team like that. I will tell you this: if Sammy Watkins ends up on a team that doesn't have as good of a quarterback that way, I don't think I would want any part of that trade, or and not trade, but any part of that piece of the pie. No, absolutely not. But at the end of the day, this is why this wide receiver core is Sean's strength because. Sammy Watkins is his fourth wide receiver. And that's that's probably what you want to have Sammy Watkins be on your team. Maybe your third. Yeah. But for Sean, this is it goes to show his strength. So overall, when you look at Sam's total roster, do you think this is a, a solid foundation that he's building upon, or do you think he still has a little cracks in the foundation? I mean, clearly there's a lot of cracks that Sean still has. Um, but you look, you've got three, I think, just bona fide blue chip players in Melvin Kamara, Devontae Adams, and Cooper Cup. You are probably going to get the second or third draft pick in the upcoming rookie draft. And with that pick, you could potentially get maybe a the best quarterback or second best quarterback, or maybe a very good wide, or excuse me, running back. And you're definitely, you're just going to get a, another blue chip player. And that'll help a lot. And with the kind of the foundation you have at some of those other wide receivers we touched on, and then maybe, you know, either Teddy Bridgewater, or some of those quarterbacks show up. The team, you like what you see, but there's still work to be done, whether that's being patient with some of the younger guys or maybe trying to sell off some of these older guys. I mean, I like it, but there's still work to be done. I think there's the four corners are there. I think there's a couple walls being built, but I think there's still a little bit of room to to patch the the holes up and make sure that this is something you can build upon going forward. I like some of the pieces, um, but I think if you can piece one to two more essentials to to solid up your starting ten, I, I like it a lot more than where it's at right now. Yeah, I buy that. Um, all right, any um, last thoughts on Sean's team before we move on to um, the matchups for the week? Nah, man, let's let's jump into the matchups here. Let's be a little time efficient and live the dream. <laughs> Sounds great to me. Um, these matchups this week, I'd say on the surface, all these matchups have, you know, outside of the first matchup we'll start with, all of them have pretty significant um, effects on the season. Uh, the first one we'll start with will be American Psycho versus Under Construction. And this one actually might be close. I don't think we can necessarily say Sam's for sure going to lose. Do you, what are your thoughts on this one, Dan? Um, I might 
disagree. I'm going to say okay. Sam's for sure going to lose. I, 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 starting Wendell Smallwood's a little interesting for me. At the, the only end of the reason day, I like Wentz and, Wentz and Godwin can give you all about that. Um, Old BC Johnson is is a super wild card this way, but I don't mm-hmm. buy it. Yeah, the only reason I give Sam any bit of chance is the fact that Cooper Cup is on a bye. Does but, does that one player make that bit of difference though? I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to think Sam's going to win, but I think we've seen throughout most of the most recent matchups, Sam has zero chance. And I think he has maybe 30% of a chance to win this week. I'm taking Sean, but I think there's a small chance. Yeah, I'll take Sean too. Okay. Um, all right. The next matchup of the week we will touch on will be Kevin versus Chris tearing up the ACL versus Cold Steel and Sunshine. I, I like Kevin here. Um, Garoppolo's proven that he can... That that defense is unreal. Just for the record, I'll start with that. Which means Jimmy Garoppolo oh, yeah. doesn't have to do absolute jack worth of shit um, on the offensive side of the board here. Um, Gurley's not a buy, which I think hurts hurts Chris. Um, it's going to be interesting. But you replace Gurley with Lamar Jackson. There there's some mm-hmm. interesting pieces to it. But uh, heaven forbid Sam Darnold learns how to play quarterback. But it's hard to bet against Matthew Stafford and his situation. Saquon Barkley with that. James White getting that that ability and then having the stack with Galladay and then and then uh, Marvin Jones. I'll take Kevin. Yeah, I'll take Kevin as well. I mean, speaking of Sam Darnold, I mean he just needs a good matchup to get going, and the Dolphins are probably just what the doctor ordered. It's just where we get to make fun of Sam Darnold because we're just not here to defend him because he's fucking <laughs> atrocious. I mean, it's funny because you and I obviously have talked with Nick a lot. I feel like Sam Darnold maybe the white version of Jameis Winston. You mean you have such high hopes coming out of college and then you get into the pros and you suck and people start questioning whether you deserve a starting job or not? I mean, just that he's inconsistent. Um, I think he's very prone to turnovers and questionable decisions. But you'll also just see a game from him like the, the Dallas Cowboy game where he's just phenomenal. Um, we'll see if he can avoid maybe the Jay Cutler, you know, Jameis Winston syndrome and develop into a more consistent player. But so far, there's a lot of negative things that give me pause. I know could also work for that, but thank you. (laughs) Well, here's a question for you, though. (laughs) Yeah. Danny Dimes going up against Dallas Monday night. Showtime? Should would you start him over Sam Darnold in Miami? I would. I think there's an uh, the Dallas Cowboy defense has been interesting. Now, yes, understanding. I don't remember a game where you've put Dak Prescott and that Dallas team into a spotlight, and they've kind of sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I think you give Danny Dimes his ability with some of the other pieces. I like I like Daniel Jones over Sam Darnold. I would agree with that. And then the last, like, just kind of matchup to, or starts at Decider, Ty Johnson in Detroit. There was a lot of hopes and dreams that he would be something, and I think Matt Patricia kind of did his whole Patriots thing and went against the curve. Um, there were rumors that the Lions were going to trade for someone. That didn't happen. I mean, was that just a fluke, or is Ty Johnson not going to be something? I, I 
think you 100% look at it exactly as what the Patriots do. It's a committee piece. Who's yep. going to be the hot hand and who's Matt Patricia going to take ownership for and go this way? I, I was I went all in on Ty Johnson. I bought into the to the hype, and I got David Johnson's. This guy came out and didn't do jack worth of shit, and it kind of sucked. Yep. All right, let's move. Or Yeah, we're both taking Kevin. Let's move on to the next matchup, and that will be my matchup. Uh, three blind mice versus me. My eyes to goggles do nothing. Nick versus Jerry. Oh, man. Like, every part of me wants to give a little bit of love to Jerry. I just, you're the best team in the league right now. You're scoring the most amount of points. You have this guy named Dalvin Cook, who is the second best running back in the league and is capitalizing on every single opportunity. Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, you can't really be wrong with. Um, if Jerry's going to go through and get any kind of production, starting Ricky Seals, Ricky Seals Jones at tight end probably isn't going to get it done. And if you're starting Zach Pascal or Mohamed Sanu, life gets a little rough. Um, mm-hmm. I'll take you. I, I think it'll be a 30-point win. Um, I, Yeah, I, that's where I'm kind of at. Yeah, I'll take me as well. I mean, Jerry's team, I mean, Aaron Jones, we've seen he's kind of, I think, ascending to like just sort of that playmaker in the Packers offense, not only just rushing the ball, but, you know, being the receiver, he's kind of their just weapon X or whatever you want to call him. Um, and, you know, Zeke is Zeke. I think he'll have a big game against the Giants. Um, I For for Jerry, I think for this game and for the foreseeable future, it's going to come down to his wide receivers. Can he get production from his rookies? And kind of these old crafty vets that he traded for, um, and can he start the right ones? That's that's yeah. kind of the million dollar question. I think. I think it's interesting. The question I'll ask you is: when you look at your lineup, is there ever a time where you consider Kyler Murray's matchups versus what you're getting out of Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson so far? Mm, no, not really at this point. I think for my money, between Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson, those are two of the top four fantasy quarterbacks in the league right now. Um, the only ones I'd consider putting ahead of them would be, you know, Lamar Jackson, a healthy Patrick Mahomes, maybe Aaron Rodgers. Um, Kyler Murray, I'm very, very, very excited for, but he's just, he's warming up on the bench and he's learning a thing or two behind Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson for me outside of bye weeks. For the record, it's one and two. You can say top two in your case. Fair enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, dude. I very much enjoy stat checking and uh, fact finding in that stand in statistics scoreboard. I we always appreciate your service, Stat Boy. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Of, is there any start sit questions? Um, or questionable? I'm no, trying to see I like, Jer. I think. I think the only I, one. Maybe Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I was gonna say the only one is the tight end position. Ricky Seals Jr., Jimmy Graham, or maybe even Irv Smith. I love Irv Smith. I was just going to say that if Irv Smith can find his role in that offense, I think Irv Smith could be a, a beast. I feel like more of the, the attention is being drawn away from Kyle Rudolph and being given to Irv Smith um, because of the production. But Ricky Seals Jr. has shown opportunities with Cleveland to, to fill in and be a part of it. He had, he's at two weeks over 15 points, both times where he found the end zone. Um but it's, I mean, Jimmy Graham's getting his fair share, but it's Jimmy Graham's over 15 or ugly. Yeah. Yep, fair enough. 
All right, let's move on to the next matchup. And this is when I think the matchups start getting a little bit better. And we will jump into um, Zane or Z versus Captain Mayfield. Zane versus Nick Ruth. Uh, this is fun. It's which Mike Evans are you going to find? This last <laughs> week we found Mike Evans in 42 points. Um, but, you know, a couple weeks ago we found Mike Evans throwing up a goose egg. I think this is where it gets super interesting. I This is another week where, I mean, obviously Joe Mixon's on a bye and everything, but mm-hmm. Devin Singletary's starting to take a little bit more carries. Carlos Hyde potentially could be looking really good in that offense. Gardner Minshew's been arguably one of the best finds in, in free agency. It, mm-hmm. It's hard to argue a part of that. I think the question for Zane is, do we see the David Montgomery we saw this last week as they as they go through and they play the Lions? Or are we going to see the David Montgomery where we've seen the last couple weeks where he's not been a big factor in the offense? I'm going to take uh, Ruth in this matchup. Yeah, I think you kind of hit on it with the running back matchups. You know, Cohen and Montgomery going for Zane against Philadelphia is a very, very tough matchup. Miles Sanders... He had a really he's nice someone, week. He had a really nice week last week. He did, and he's someone I think like it gets you excited about the long term. But anytime you have a running back that just capitalizes on like having five or six touches and just maximizing them is risky. Well, let me ask you a have, question here. What do you think yeah. about Darius Slayton? I like Darius Slayton. I mean. He's someone that I think is capitalizing and kind of clearly building a repertoire with, um, you know, Danny Dimes. Um, I don't know if he's someone that's going to be a consistent wide receiver too or something like that, but I think he's carving out a role at like a flex worthy wide receiver. And, you know, for a rookie, it's definitely something to be a little bit excited about. And then the other question I'll bring up to you is how about this guy named Dallas Goddard? I mean,. It's kind of, that was kind of the fun, I think, talk a little bit in our league, you know, earlier um, in July and August with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. Um, I think I like Dallas Goddard. I think Zach Ertz has been, um, I think he's due for a little bit of positive regression. Um, Dallas Goddard has got a little bit of love in the end zone with just some balls going his way, but I think that'll eventually balance out. Um Great long-term player, but I think, you know, I think he's going to be a little bit inconsistent on a week-to-week basis. So, what do you it, think about him? He's got a lot of positive upside. I he does very much. The amount of attention that Zach Ertz is getting has really shown Dallas Goddard that he can step up and be this big play receiver for, um, for Carson Wentz. And I think this really makes it interesting when you look at these matchups and you think about the the double tight end sets that they have the ability to run and and where which better linebacker you put on which tight end and I think most people will take their chances and see if Dallas Goddard can beat them versus Zach Ertz and I think that really gives him a little bit of upside but I think it also lowers his floor at the same point in time yeah um I agree with that I think at this point you know just when you look at like where the um Eagles are at with their wide receivers I mean I think Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are both, you know, two top 12 tight ends more weeks than not, especially when we see buys happening. Um, so I definitely think it's uh, it's smart that Zane's starting him. I don't fault yep. him in that, especially in a premium league. I th- and 
I think either of them could be better starting than any of their wide receivers that they have. Better than Zane's wide receivers? No, better than anybody in the Philadelphia Eagles team. Oh, yes. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. I think those are their two top wide receiver options by far. Um, or, or, you know, Wentz clearly loves both of them. And it's really, if it's not those two, it's Alshon Jeffrey. Maybe if Deshaun Jackson gets healthy with Wentz's deep ball, I could see an argument for him, but, you know, he's got to get healthy, and that might not happen this year. Yeah, I agree. I think Zane has some upside. I don't think it happens this week, though. Yeah, I don't think it happens this week. Unfortunately, um, you know, he lost Flacco this week. He's out for the year. Um, Zane's down to one quarterback, and that's you know, that's going to be rough. It's going to be tough for tough to overcome that. Um, he's, he's fought valiantly, but we'll see how that – how that shakes out for him. I'm going to take Nick Ruth this week. Yeah, buddy. All right, so we're down to our final two matchups, and we will go with your matchup before the matchup of the week, Flash Gordon versus Isla of Misfit Toys, and I will start off with that one. Um, I think to start off, it's going to be a tough one. Um, on the surface, I, I lean Stefan's team. Um, he doesn't have... I mean, Jared Goff is on a bye, and Latavius Murray, who's been, I think, a game-changer for Stefan these last few weeks, is also on a bye. But that, you know, going to that well um, might finally be coming to an end with eventually, you know, Alvin Kamara coming back. Um, from your perspective, you know, Drew Brees, you know, it was great to see him back this week, and he looked good against the Arizona Cardinals. And Tyler Boyd are obviously on a bye. And then, of course, you know, your tight end position is very suspect this week. Um, before I go any further, thanks, how are you? Thanks thanks for using suspect as a very generous term to, hey, man, you're super fucked right now. Yeah. How are you feeling about that one, uh, Nick Boyle? They're, they're, I, do you, how do you feel anything other than distress, disappointment? Jesus, fuck, why does Austin Hooper have to be on a bye this week? Why couldn't he have been traded to a contender so that I don't miss out on a bye week and I can still get production out of him? Um, that I mean, I'm expecting to throw a goose egg up at tight end. I'm not going to lie to you. I need to beat Stefan with 10 players or find somebody on this waiver wire potentially that's coming up at the tight end possession, which, fun fact, isn't very much out there. Um, I've got to hope that Terrell Williams throws up a goose egg, that Zach Ertz doesn't get any kind of production that he needs to, and that Denver offense with Cortland Sutton sucks enough that having – a Philip Lindsay with a Royce Freeman injury that could potentially stop him be big. But the problem is, is I also have Mark Ingram playing against Philadelphia. Or, I'm not Philadelphia, I'm sorry, New England. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this, but... Almost just New- as bad. Yeah, it, no, it's even worse. It's actually yeah. it's actually even worse. Um, and but you got that juicy Cole Beasley matchup. I do love And Gallup against Beasley. the Giants, that's, that's nice. I actually, I'm going to be the first to say it. This week, Josh Allen, 300 yards. <laughs> God... God bless you. I'm going to take Stefan this week as well. I think it literally comes down to the fact that I don't have Austin Hooper. Here's my question for you. One week start, would you trade a third for a top 30 tight end? I don't. I mean, Nick Boyle, let's see see what Nick Boyle has. Nick Boyle last week at three... He had a buy, so 3.5, 4.8, and then a goose egg with one week over 10. I, yes. If you want to trade your tight end to me for this week for a third-round pick, please let me know. Fair enough. I was I was curious to see how high 
you would go on that scale. If, if you're going to give me a top 15 piece, I might consider trading you a second round pick. Interesting. That. Now, is that because you because not in addition to having Austin Hooper on a buy, you also have Gerald Everett, who's been sneaky solid. I feel um, is is that just purely because you're desperate for this week, or you want to get a little more depth maybe at the tight end position? It's a desperation move at this okay. point in time. When you look at the actual division standings for this, there is a it's big, a dogfight. It's I'm the leader in this division right now. One point ahead of Stefan, which this is probably one of the most important matchups I'm going to ever have in part of this week. And Stefan catches me on a really good matchup. Um, you look at Adam, who is three points behind me, two points behind Stefan. And Kevin, who sits five behind and literally with a win can put himself over Adam in that, that perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Sauce, who has a point advantage on what Adam has that could literally take himself with a win all the way up into that third playoff spot. This division's a dogfight. This division's a shit show. Um, it's, everything is, is desperation at this point in time, and every single point matters. That is a very good point. Every single point does matter because for you, I think you're probably feeling pretty confident about your long-term chances to make the playoffs, but getting that playoff by is just such a huge advantage it's one step closer. It's one less week you have yeah. to play, oh, and God, that's yes. huge. One Massive. less week for your team to not shit the bed or shit the bed, and you don't have to worry about it. So I I completely I th- respect potentially wanting to fill that hole, even if it is for one week. And at the end of the day, this is, this is, if this is a time to be a buyer for me, this is a time to buy. I respect that. Um, all right, before All right, so the last position or the last matchup of the week. Our matchup of the week is a doozy. It's franchise twelve versus Sauce. Um, Steph or Steve, excuse me, versus Adam. Um, two friends battling it out. Uh, it's playoff impl- implications are at an all time high here. Uh, what are you thinking of this one, Dan? So my question for you is: Does Patrick Mahomes play this week? I'm gonna say no. If he I don't think he does. Doesn't play. I like Sauce. I think that's literally where this matchup hangs on. Because if Mahomes doesn't play, you're dropping ten to twelve points versus his replacement. None of it sits pretty well. Um, Kittle's got a nice matchup this week. Jameis could potentially, depending on which one he shows up, mm-hmm. could be good. DJ Charts continued to put up points this way, um, but. Tickle me fancy on this, uh, on these different pieces here, but I like me a little uh, Kenny Stills this week. Oh yeah, I, I think I buy this that. is going to be a little bit of fun, and this Houston Jacksonville game could be very entertaining. It could be very high scoring, um, and I think both of the both DJ Chark and Kenny Stills could benefit from that. We're going to disagree on this one. I'm going to go with Franchise 12. I think for Sauce, he, I mean, both teams have buy issues, but Sauce has big buy issues. Julio Jones and Michael Thomas, both on buys this week. AJ Green's been injured, but he's also on a buy. And then Matt Ryan and, well, I guess, Ryan Finley now are on buys. Case Keenum might not even start this week. We don't even know that. And Jameis Winston is Jameis. Um, I think... S- I think Franchise 12 is just going to get this done this week. Even if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, I think um, 
you know, what we saw from Matt Moore in the Kansas City offense and what Andy Reid can do is he can put his players in a chance or in position to succeed. And I expect that to continue even against a tough, you know, Minnesota defense that is, you know, capable of wrecking the best quarterbacks in the league. I think it'll just be tough to do that in Kansas City, in Arrowhead against this offense. I think Andy Reid will have Matt Moore or Mahomes maybe, but I'm not expecting that ready to go. And I think Franchise 12 is going to get eke out a win. It's not going to be close. It's not going to be pretty, but I think he'll eke out a win. Is this a must win for Sauce? It's in a weird way. I don't think it's a must win for Sauce, but I think it's a must win for Franchise 12. I think he needed to win last week. He didn't. He he actually lost you last week. Yep. Um, franchise twelve is going in the wrong direction, yep. and it's you know nothing. It's not his fault. His players, I think, are just. We saw you know Austin Eckler light the world on fire. You know we saw. You know, Patrick Mahomes do Patrick Mahomes things, and now he's injured. Tom Brady, at the start of the year, was a game changer, but now he's just kind of solid. And, you know, Chris Carson, we've seen him kind of yo-yo a bit between super-duper elite and just okay. And Franchise 12 just doesn't have the wide receiver core that can I think can support the other positions from that being amazing Uh, it's an interesting i think as you look at part of this and i'm just finishing up pulling the pulling the schedule so both of them so they're going to play each other this week both Uh of them have to play cold steel and sunshine which i think is a favorable matchup for each of them both of them have to play flash gordon that's a really really rough matchup for both of them Uh sauces three games in between are myself in the island of misfit toys he plays Sean in American Psycho. That's Sam. Or I'm saying, sorry, Sam in American Psycho. The other side of this is Franchise 12 plays you and plays Kevin. I think the final little bit of matchup here, I think Sauce's matchups are more favorable yep. than this. So I think, yes, this continues to be a must win for, for Sauce to make sure that he's not reliant on a, a team like Kevin to make sure that he takes care of his dirty work for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's really a must win for both teams. Both teams need to find a way to get, you know, at least one point. Ideally, they both want to get three, but at least one point, you know, try to score in that top six. Because um, like you said, I mean, this this DC division is just, it's tight. It's very, very tight. And, uh, you know, maybe next week we need to have a full all-out playoff pod look at the schedule and kind of break down the entire dc division for those five teams and then maybe that last playoff spot in the marvel division i mean i think definitely looking next week and hashtag foreshadow as i know we <laughs> talked about this looking at the remaining matchups for these playoff contending teams and who's sitting in the best driver's seat to make sure that they take care of their first round bye yep. versus who's in deep deep shit with what they have to potentially come up with, and especially when you still have teams like Kansas City that still has to take a bye. Oh, yeah. 
All right, well, anything... Well, we're split on this matchup, so that's yeah, fun. I, yeah, I know it's been... This this league's going to turn out to be a real shit show coming in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I think there's going to be a couple moves that are going to be made that we're going to be talking about here in the next few weeks of trade deadlines once we try and begin to iron out who's going to be falling off of this. I think understanding your must-win situations and avoiding the rough buy situations is going to play into into part of this. Um, it's nothing against you guys. I'm really, really invested into this DC division and understanding that I'm playing in it, but this is a dogfight there. And, and between Zane and Jerry, I think it's going to be interesting. This is it's, it's getting hot and heavy in here. Yeah, I think, I mean, we'll talk more about divisions, but I think it's kind of fun because it kind of creates two separate divisions that are kind of in their own little bubble. And it's... It's almost like, I think, college football playoffs in the sense that you got to just really survive the regular season. And then when the playoffs start, it's kind of just this new magical world. Um, and it's going to be a fun stretch to finish up the season. And we'll definitely be talking about it more next week. Yeah. I mean, by the way, since you mentioned college football, I think you have to pay every college athlete a penny now uh, <laughs> because they get paid because you use their likeness and and skill set so start paying up buddy i can't wait to start talking about the 2020 draft class and having to pay joe burrow everything god bless joe burrow (laughs) all right guys we are out with this week's podcast hope you all have a great week and best of luck to everyone except for jerry i hope you lose go nationals bye go nationals